At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Scott Seidenberg back here. This is The Look Ahead on VCN, the Sports Betting Network. You can hit me up on Twitter at ScottsOnAir, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. Talk a little golf coming up about 15 minutes or so from now. Our very own Wes Reynolds will join us here on the program. Got to talk about the RBC Canadian Open as well as the 54 Tour. That's it. I'm not calling it the uh, Live. I'm calling it the 54 that's the uh, what I am calling it right now. And the latest odds, let's see, because I did have it up. Because there are books now here in Vegas that do allow you to bet on the Live Golf Invitational, which begins at 5 p.m., I guess, local time here on, um, I guess, Friday. Is that when it starts? Yeah, so I guess Friday, Saturday, Sunday, is that what they're doing? They're doing? Anyway, Dustin Johnson is your favorite 4-1. And uh, where's Phil Mickelson? 30-1 to 1 is what I'm looking at for Phil Mickelson. Wouldn't that be such a story if Phil Mickelson goes out and wins the first event over there in London for the uh, live tour? But we'll talk to Wes Reynolds about all of that coming up about 10, 15 minutes or so from now. NBA Finals, game number three goes to the Boston Celtics, 116-100 over the Warriors. So they cover the three and a half, and that's what happens, right? We, we all, uh, we've been talking, regurgitating the stat that NBA Finals games lined up as six points or less. The team that has won the game is now, after this win, 63-0-1 against the spread going back to, like, 2010. So... It, 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 you just pick the team to win. It, it's either the favorite covering the spread or the underdog winning the game outright. It's not the loser of the game covering the spread. That's what we have not seen really in this entire playoffs, but especially in the NBA Finals with the spread being this low. The total closed at 214.5, and, and I was on the under. I thought it was dead to rights, but then... In the fourth quarter, something crazy happened. And by something crazy, I mean crazy. In the fourth quarter, they didn't score. Yes, they did not score. 
after Jalen Brown made two free throws with two minutes left to make it a 116-100 game, there were no more points for the rest of the game. It was a Damian Lee missed three-pointer, followed by an Aaron Neesmith missed jump shot, followed by a Jordan Poole missed three-pointer, then a Nick Stauskas missed three-pointer, then a turnover by Juan Toscano-Anderson, then a Moses Moody block of Sam Hauser's shot, and then Jordan Poole turning the ball over out of bounds. No points after the foul on Jalen Brown when he hit the two free throws. And if he does not get fouled there, and maybe he misses two free throws, I mean, this under miraculously comes in. Do you imagine that? This is, I, I was sitting there in the car on the way in, just counting how dead this over this under was. But then it went from, like, it was 102.94 with about, I guess, nine minutes left. Or 8.46 left. And at that point, it just didn't, you know, it seemed like it was going to continue. Then it was 110 to 98 with 441 left. 110 to 98. At that point, it, there's no way this game goes under. And at 112-100 with 3 minutes and 19 seconds left, impossible for it to go under. But then, as I mentioned, only four points scored the rest of the game. It goes over by a point and a half. Just absolutely uh, crushing for the under. But then again, you never felt like you were in it, right? After the first half, it was dead to rights. But a 34-point fourth quarter combined. And that's just... The Warriors scored 11 points in the fourth quarter. Draymond Green, you want to speak about lack of scoring. Draymond Green is getting a lot of attention here in these playoffs. In these playoffs, he has had the same amount of personal fouls. Not in these playoffs. In these NBA finals, he has had the same amount of personal fouls than he has had points. I mean, think about that. Also, funny tweet by StatMuse. Draymond Green in these playoffs, 17 podcast episodes and 14 games with double-digit points or rebounds or assists. So more podcast episodes than uh, production, if you will. Anyway, Draymond Green in these finals, 15 points total, 0 for 7 from three-point range, 5 of 10 from the free-throw line, He has more turnovers than made baskets, and he has the same amount of personal fouls that he has in points. And Draymond, you could argue, in game two, in the Warriors' win, was an important piece. 
nine points, seven assists. Doesn't shoot much, but plays effectively. But for the rest, for game number, uh, you know, game number one and in game number three, not so much for Draymond Green. And now we take a look at game four, where it's lined up as the Celtics, same thing, minus three and a half. Could it tick up to four? Absolutely. Total, same as it was here for this game, pretty much, 215. It feels like it should be a warrior spot, right? Like, it feels like Golden State will find a way to bounce back after this, you know, after this performance. Just like they bounced back after the game one loss, you figure they'll bounce back again. The Warriors in this playoffs uh, have not lost back-to-back games. Just like the Boston Celtics have not lost back-to-back games. After dropping game four to the Nuggets, which we can talk about that being a gentleman sweep or whatever. After dropping game four on the road to the Nuggets, they respond with a close win in game five, close them out at home. After dropping game two on the road to the Grizzlies, they respond at home with a blowout win over Memphis. After dropping game, the next time, game number, was it one, two, three, four, game five on the road to the Grizzlies, they respond with the win at home in game six. And after dropping game number one, two, three, game four on the road in Dallas, they respond with the win in game number five at home. The only issue that I have with the Warriors bounce back and just if you just listen to everything that I that I detailed there, every time they've lost, they have bounced back with a win at home. This is the first time this postseason that they face the potential of back-to-back losses on the road. And how much does that affect? the Golden State Warriors here when you're talking about them on the road. There was an interesting stat that was thrown out. Let me see if I can pull this up real quick. Okay. Um, Well, this is just about the third quarter stats, but anyway, it was talked about the Warriors and their net rating on the road in the third quarters going into this game, even though they dominated the third quarter of this game. But uh, it was a negative 17.2 on the road in the third quarter. And, hmm, you know, I wonder how that affects this team and how that affects the whole bounce back mentality. Because while I think initially, yeah, it feels like it should be a warrior spot, the Celtics have shown you they are a better team. I don't think anybody's denying that. They're more athletic, they're younger, they're more dynamic, they can get at you in multiple ways, and their supporting cast just contributes more. And I think that they were undervalued to start the start this series. They were undervalued after game two. Now, they're 
being valued properly as a massive favorite north of $2. What's going to be funny is if they lose this game, they'll go back to being the underdog. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare which is just wild but they're a team that has not lost back-to-back games not in these playoffs and only once since Jan- since the end of January. And in order for the Warriors to win this series, they got to win three of the next four games, and I just don't see it happening. Coming up next, we'll get into the golf, talk about a bunch of things with our very own Wes Reynolds. I'm Scott Sadenberg. This is The Look Ahead here on VSIN, the sports betting network. The third major of golf's season is here, and you can get in on the action with the Doers Major Championship Challenge. Draft in two free fantasy golf contests, one classic and one round for showdown, and compete for your share of $10,000 in total prizes. Head to DraftKings.com slash Doers now to play for free. Scott Zadenberg back here with you. This is the look ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network. Joining us now, our very own Wes Reynolds. You catch him across the network as well as the host of Long Shots, our golf podcast. You read his work in Point Spread Weekly as well. And, Wes, before we get into all the golf this weekend, your thoughts on the Celtics taking a two-games-to-one lead over the Golden State Warriors and any early leans for Game 4 coming up on Friday? Yeah, I haven't played Game 4 yet, Scott, uh, but I did uh, end up playing the Celtics tonight, first half in full game, and... Look, I I think we're getting all the overreactions really from game to game. Uh, Celtics, I thought, uh, you know, really controlled the game from the outset. Warriors made a nice little run, but you can just see some problems with this team. I mean, the fact of the matter is, if you want to call it the big three and include Andrew Wiggins in that third spot, the Golden Star, they scored 74 points. Clay Thompson had a very good game tonight. His best by the series by far with 25. Curry had 31. Wiggins had 18. So combine it up, they scored 74 points and they still lost by 16. Yeah. And I think that that shows you that there is some depth concern with the Golden State Warriors. Draymond Green, I you know he had probably one of the worst playoff games he ever he really he's had in his entire career. 
they didn't get a lot off the bench tonight. They didn't get much from Poole. They didn't get much from Peyton. So I, I think well, a lot of the reasons why many of us like the Celtics in the series is just because they have a little bit more depth that just doesn't always have to be Jason Tatum. And look, Tatum had 26 tonight, but once again, and we talked about this earlier, he's having to work hard for these points. I mean, he went nine for 23. Golden State is continuing to defend them the same way, you know, and basically run guys at him when he drives to the bucket. But when you got Marcus Smart, he finally, I think, stepped up with a good game tonight offensively. 24, Jalen Brown, 27. You know, this is hard to beat that big three, basically, for Boston. So I think that they're in pretty darn good control of the series. I think the team that wins game three, I thought I saw it was like 82% of the time they go on and win the series. Yeah, and I just look at Boston, how great they are avoiding back-to-back losses. And if Golden State's going to win this series, they got to win three out of the next four games. And I just don't see that happening, Wes. I really don't. I think maybe they can get one. Maybe they get two. I can't see them getting three of the next four. No, I I don't think so. I just think that the depth really isn't there uh, with golden state. And, you know, they haven't really been that dominant team that we're used to. When we think of the warriors, we're obviously thinking back to 2015, 2016. And by the way, they had a guy named Kevin Durant that really helped their cause back then. And that was such a dominant team, Scott, because even, you know, if they're tied at halftime, you know, the third quarter warriors, they bust out a 24 to four run just at any point. You don't really see them do that very often anymore. Yeah. Nope. And, uh, you know, the Celtics, I thought, were grossly mispriced coming into this game. Now more accurately priced at minus 230 uh, or so to win this series against the uh, Celtics. So uh, against the Warriors. Uh, uh, for game four, I kind of feel like it's a Warriors spot. You know, just the way mm-hmm. that they have responded. But I don't, I don't this, this, this Celtics team is just, they've proven that they are the better team. And it's going to be hard for me to bet against the Celtics, even though I do think it's a warrior spot here with a bounce back opportunity. Yeah, I would agree with that. And we're seeing four across the board. It would not surprise me to see this go to four and a half. I think if it went to five, you would certainly get buyback in the market on the warriors because even tonight when they were getting three and a half, the biggest underdog that Steve Kerr and the, as the head coach of the warriors has been in the finals and Celtics got away from them. No problem. Warriors would make a run, but you know, they put them away and they didn't let the foot off the gas. You know, when the Warriors took the lead in the third quarter and, you know, found a way and to end up winning convincingly by 16, I think you're clearly right in your assessment. Boston is the better team in this series. All right. What happens first, Wes, the angels get a victory or Dustin Johnson wins a 54 tour event. Uh, I'm going to say the Angels get a victory because look at uh, yeah, uh, Dustin Johnson. And then we were talking about this earlier with this live golf. And I, I, I think it's a little bit premature, Scott, to say it's like a threat to the PGA tour, but it certainly has the PGA tour's attention. And, you know, when you're getting these big names, however, when you look at the roster, at least for this first event, that's going to start in London on Friday, none of these guys really are at the peak of their game right now. A lot of these guys, you know, Phil Mickelson, a lot of the older European players, Ian Poulter, Lee Westwood, they're on a downward trajectory of their career. So they're coming into play. You know, this is like their retirement plan. Now, I don't necessarily think Dustin Johnson 
is done winning. I still think he's got some good golf in him, even though he hasn't won in over a year and a half. But yeah, I can't bet him this short. And then to see the second choice behind him, Taylor Gooch, who's a nice young player and won the RSM Classic last fall for his first PGA Tour win. To see him at nine to one to win a golf tournament is almost absurd. So I think if you're betting this, this may be just take a shot on a guy or two kind of in the middle price of the market somewhere in like the 30 to one range. Well, I was thinking Scott Vincent as I tried to do my homework on this uh, tour because he won last week in London on the Asian tour. So uh, he's at 30 to one. I was thinking about Scott Vincent to win this event. Yeah, I can't really disagree. I didn't necessarily play him, but I think a lot of these guys, you know, may be looking at this as a retirement plan, but a lot of this may be using this as a jumping off standpoint in terms of maybe revitalizing their career, reinvigorating their career, like a Charles Schwartzel, I think really comes to mind. We saw him play very well at the Masters and also at the Byron Nelson. So he's in that 30 to one range, Brandon Grace is 30 to 40 to one. I got him 40 earlier in the week and Brandon Grace has actually won events worldwide in each of the last two calendar years. So those were guys I looked at the shortest price guy I played though. I played Bern Beesberger is a little bit under 20 to one right now. I just think he's in decent form. Like some of these guys, like the Polters and the Westwoods and the Garcias, these guys just aren't coming in on peak form to this event. And then, you know, how motivated are you going to be? We were talking about DJ, you know, at five and a half to one, basically, but he just got $150 million reportedly <laughs> for this guarantee. So it's like, why am I motivated to really bust my grades? It's like, if I win, I win great. But if I don't, I'm still getting paid a massive fortune, him and Phil Mickelson. And, you know, those are the bigger names that are getting a lot of money for this. And then the event that we're going to have at pumpkin Ridge up in Portland in the next month, looks like Patrick Reed's going to be a part of that. Looks like Bryson DeChambeau is going to be a part of that. So you're going to get more names. I think over the next month involved in this, but, uh, you know, PGA Tour is still the number one tour in the world. I don't think that they're threatened as of yet, but they certainly, I think, are not very happy that this thing is even getting off the ground. Did you take a flyer on Phil Mickelson at 30 to 1? No, I, I, I did not. I just wonder. He has not played in about four months. And, you know, he made the comments, Scott, where he said kind of the quiet part out loud. And, you know, and got a lot of heat from them and just wasn't mentally, I think, in a place to play. And, you know, he said that about the PGA where he could have defended his Wanamaker trophy and defended his title this year. He goes, I just didn't want to be there. I just was not in a place to play. But, you know, we knew that he was probably going to be a part of this thing. And I'm sure they gave him a lot of money, probably the most. So he probably waited to see what DJ got mm. and then said, okay, I'm in. Now, what are you going to pay me? And it looks like around $200 million, at least is the reported figure. Uh, tell me who else you played here for the live tour. Yeah. Yeah. I mentioned him earlier, just Schwartzel and uh, Brandon Grace, the two South Africans and also Bern Viesberger who I got at 20. You could probably get him at 16 or 18 and one. And really this was just, you know, taking shots because the Centurion club hasn't hosted an event in recent years. So there's not a lot of knowledge. Plus this is a weird format shotgun format over 54 holes where guys were starting different holes. There's a team aspect of this thing. So, you know, 
it, it is kind of a tough handicap because we really are flying blind and don't have anything to go on. But for interest, those were the three I played. Absolutely. Wes, hang with me. Let's get to the RBC Canadian Open coming up next and maybe some early thoughts on the U.S. Open as well. Appreciate it, bud. Just hang on through the break with me. He is our very own Wes Reynolds. You get all this golf information on long shots as well as in Point Spread Weekly where uh, those guys have just done such a great job of nailing some outrights throughout this entire golf season and will continue to do so. I'm Scott Satterberg. You can hit me up on Twitter at Scott's on air, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. Coming up next, we'll get Wes's thoughts on the RBC Canadian Open and some early bets possibly for the U.S. Open. This is The Look Ahead here on VSIN, the sports betting network. your next bet. That's V-S-I-N. This is The Look Ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network. VSIN contributor Jeff Siegel is coming off a winning Preakness pick, and now you can get a $25 free bet to follow him in Saturday's Belmont Stakes. All you got to do is sign up for First Bet, the preferred horse racing app of VSIN, Go to vsin.com slash horses for details on this exclusive offer for vsin fans. That's vsin.com slash horses. Use the promo code LVBELMONT and then join Jeff in rooting for his pick in the final race in this year's Triple Crown. Mile and a half at Belmont in Elmont, New York. Where the capacity, Wes, I don't know if you uh, are aware of this, and we're rejoined by our very own Wes Reynolds here on The Look Ahead. Uh, the capacity has been cut at Belmont to 50,000 as opposed to the full 90,000, which can fit in the grandstand. And it is because the brand new UBS arena where the Islanders play has been built on the land, cutting about 35% of their capacity, like their land capacity. They just don't have room for cars, for parking or for anything anymore. So the capacity is capped at 50,000 for Belmont racetrack now. No, it's not because we don't have a chance at the triple crown winner here at <laughs> yeah. Belmont this weekend, unfortunately, because, uh, uh, well, what is it? I keep wanting to call that horse first strike after uh, Dave Ross's podcast yeah, yeah. here on season. But last, last strike. Yeah. Rich, last rich strike. strike, rich strike. Yep. Rich strike, rich yeah. strike. See, we've, we've forgotten already because it was such a surprise winner, but uh, apparently in the field for Belmont this weekend. And I actually like him in the field for Belmont because if you, if you remember at the Derby, he came on late, and the Belmont is a mile and a half. It's the longest mm-hmm. race. So if he had the endurance to come on late in the mile and a quarter, I would think that he would come on late and, and pull ahead in the mile and a half. So... That's my two-cent handicap for horse racing, and that's all you're going to get from me, Wes. That's it. Yeah, that's all I got right now, too, because usually I'll just make a bet on Saturday and maybe bet the card and some of the lead-in races for that. Uh, Worked for the Preakness last time. We'll see if it works for the Belmont. All right, talk to me about the RBC Canadian Open. What do we have to know about this tournament? Yeah, uh, uh, it is in St. George Golf Club, which is just on the west end of Toronto, of the city limits. And they haven't hosted this event since 2010. If you look at Canadian Open history, Glen Abbey 
is in Oakville, Ontario, is really the most frequent host of this event. But it's only about a 7,000-yard course and change. It's a par 70, tree-line parklands design. Not a lot of water on this course, but a lot of bunkers. There's actually 91 bunkers on this course, which is the second most of any course on the tour schedule this year. Greens are pretty small, just 4,000 square feet. So you'll get some runoffs on these bent grass greens. So you're going to have to be good with your chips and your short pitches. The rough, they've grown out to about four inches, of course, to get them some kind of preparation for the U.S. Open rough that they'll see at Brookline uh, next week. So last time, I think the last winner was Carl Pedersen back in 2010, and he was 14 under. I think probably mid-double digits under. I don't think it'll be quite a facsimile of the U.S. Open, but really in terms of stat modeling, because we don't have a lot to go on because this course isn't played every year for this event. So, you know, you go with the standby stats, Scott. Strokes gained approach, uh, greens and regulation, par fours, uh, strokes gained 450 to 500 yards because most of the par fours are in that range. And also kind of unique for a par 72. Whenever you get a par 70 course, usually you get one par five on each nine. You actually have three total par fives and five par threes on this course. So uh, should be at least decent prep for the U.S. Open. A lot of quality at the top of the market. But if you look down the board, like in that mid-range, this is not a very strong mid-range here. Like the guys at 50, 60, 70 to 1, not that strong. But you have a lot of really good quality at the top end. All right. So who do we like this week? Who did you play? <clears throat> and I did reject a little bit of that quality at the top end, by the way. I did not go with Scheffler or Justin Thomas or Rory or anywhere single digits for 10 to 1. They could win every single week. And they certainly popped on all the stat models that I did. But the week before a major, it is a little hard because usually you don't get what I would call an elite player to win events the week before the major. So the shortest price I went with, and it's not the most ideal price, but he really fits here. And that's Matt Fitzpatrick at 18 to one. A lot of people are going to like him next week for the U S open Scott, considering he did win the U S amateur back in 2013 at Brookline country club, just outside of Boston was really good tee to green last week at the Memorial. Unfortunately, he only played two rounds because he missed the cut because he lost over seven strokes with his butter over the Thursday and Friday rounds. And that's really uncharacteristic for him. This guy is a really good butter and really good around the green. So I was willing to excuse that and dismiss that. And then a couple of 30 to one, Tony Finau, who was second in Mexico, fourth at Colonial in two of his last four starts. The tee to green game is coming together. He was best tee to green down in Mexico. That's the event John Rahm won and then with 10th tee to green at Colonial. So Finau looks like his game has kind of finally starting to come together because he's been bad really ever since he won that event at the Northern Trust last August. Cheryl Hatton, 30-1, to 1, hasn't missed a cut this year, hasn't really contended since March at Bay Hill down in Orlando, but he's not really that far removed from good form, I don't think. First in this week's field for strokes game, short game. And what that measures is not only putting, but your strokes gained around the green. And he's also first in strokes gained putting over the last 24 rounds and the last 36 rounds. So Terrell Hatton, 30 to one Keith Mitchell, 50 to one kind of a, a bomber type really gains a lot off the tee, especially good on the par five, but he's gone really well on these kind of really shorter par 70 
type of courses. And, and he was seventh this year at Wiley Country Club, which is the Sony Open and Hawaii event. So obviously different dynamics that's off the coast. And this is more of a tree line course, right? Uh, just outside of Toronto, but still, I think a correlated course to this week because it's a short par 70, just barely over 7,000 yards. So Keith Mitchell, 50 to one, Chris Kirk, also 50 to one, three top sevens this year, including at the PGA three weeks ago when he was fifth around the green. He's been outstanding in terms of his scrambling, which I think is really going to matter this week. He's fifth on the tour for this season. So Chris Kirk, 50 to one, Justin Rose, 80 to one. And we were talking about the live tour in the previous segment. A lot of Rose's European Ryder Cup team contemporaries, Martin Keimer, Graham McDowell, Ian Poulter, Lee Westwood. They're part of that cash grab right now on the live golf tour. So they've probably given up making another Ryder Cup team. I don't think Justin Rose has. And the Ryder Cup, by the way, is next year. But Rose's best friend is Henrik Stenson. And he's the captain for next year's Ryder Cup team. So he needs to, I think, take advantage of certain spots and really kind of get some good finishes and contend where he can, you know, in order to show some signs that his game is coming around. I thought he was very good at the PGA. Was T13, but with top 10 in stroke gain approach, top 10 in greens and regulation. Uh, tells me his irons, at least, are in good shape. And I think that's going to matter on a course where the fairways are relatively narrow and they're fairly tree-lined. And then the long bomb I have, Aaron Rye, 130-1. to one. Englishman, he's not a big hitter off the tee, but I don't think lacking that distance is really going to hurt him on this shorter course. He actually led the field last week at the Memorial in strokes gain putting, was also six for driving accuracy. Accuracy, as I mentioned, is going to matter more than distance this week. Would you look for somebody that finishes well in this tournament as a potential play in the U.S. Open next week? I think you can. It, it, it really depends. I don't think that that's necessarily a requirement. I mean, I know for the Masters, you hardly ever see the player that wins the week before the Masters do very well in the Masters. I think Spieth was the only one several years ago. But look, positive momentum is never necessarily a bad thing. So, yeah, I mean, I think you could certainly do it, that, that there could be carryover. But obviously, even with the big names at the top of the board in this field this week, there are plenty of other guys that are taking the week off just for extra prep time. Including our guy, Willie Zalatoris. Maybe uh, we like his chances at the U.S. Open. And uh, we- Well, he's bound, he's bound to get one sooner or later. We talked about it after the PGA that he's got, I believe, uh, five top tens or what was it, five top eights in his first eight major starts, and only Ernie Els was better in terms of doing that. So he keeps knocking on the door. And I know we kind of say he's a bad putter, but he's putted pretty darn well in this majors. He just, you know, he hits that one bad tee shot or that one bad iron shot and it kind of takes him out of it, but he's right there. And, and, you know, sometimes it just takes time and you don't want to necessarily give up on a guy too early because when oh, you do that, oh, yeah. that's when he's going to bite you. And that's when he's going to win. And you're going to be like, man, I was, you know, I was early basically on this guy so many times and then you give up and you don't have patience and then he burns you in the end. Oh no, Wes, I'm pot committed now. Uh, Wes, appreciate the time and the conversation and enjoy the golf this weekend. You bet, Scott. Thank you. There he is. Our very own Wes Reynolds. Uh, You catch him all across the network here 
on VSIN, read his stuff in Point Spread Weekly, and listen to Long Shots on Golf Pod as well. I'm Scott Satterberg. We'll take a look at the Major League Baseball board for Thursday coming up next, right here on the Look Ahead on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. The VSIN Summer Special is here. For only $39, you get everything VSIN has to offer from now until the end of July. The next few months are going to be filled with the best betting content in the business right here at vsin.com, and subscribers will have access to all of it, including Adam Burke's daily MLB best bets, Jonathan Von Tobel will have best bets all the way through the NBA Finals, Andy McNeil will break down all the action on the ice all the way through the Stanley Cup playoffs. We'll have lots of NFL preseason coverage as well, not to mention continued best bets and Premium articles covering golf, UFC, USFL, NASCAR. So, if you want the full VSIN experience, which features a daily best bets email, every edition of Point Spread Weekly, use of our betting tools, and a live video stream whenever you want it, the cost is only $39 to be a subscriber through July 31st. Sign up now at vcin.com slash summer. Scott Seidenberg back here with you. It's the look ahead on VSIN. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help. Call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed... (laughs) Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. The Sports Betting Network. Let's take a look at the Major League Baseball board here for Thursday. A couple of games that really jump out to me, really interesting stuff. Uh, I think the first game of the day is intriguing with Tyler Molly on the hill for the Reds going up against Zach Davies for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Uh, Davies did pitch well his last time out against Pittsburgh, going seven and two-thirds innings without allowing a run. That was his best start all season uh, because before that, he was tagged for a bunch of runs in a bunch of outings. Three runs in five innings, five runs in three innings, five runs in four innings, three runs in five innings. So, will the real Zach Davies please stand up? But early lean for me is on the Cincinnati Reds backing Malay at home. Early lean on the first five innings for the Tampa Bay Rays, uh, going up against the Cardinals. Shane McClanahan on the hill, who has been lights out, especially in the first five innings. Uh, it was the play of the day for me. Um, last time he pitched, and I want to pull up the numbers that I tweeted out the last time, and it was on June 3rd. Shane McClanahan, I bet on him, and he, going into that start, Shane McClanahan allowed just four runs 
over his previous 30 first five innings and two runs over his last 20 first five innings. Well, what did Shane McClanahan do in his last start? He went six innings and only allowed one run in the first five innings. So now, if you just add that together, in his last uh, 35 first five innings, he has allowed just five runs. 35 innings and just five runs allowed. That is just too good to pass up. McClanahan has just been absolutely lights out for the Tampa Bay Rays. Miles Michaelis will oppose him for the Cardinals. Rays minus 180, total of seven. Dodgers take on the White Sox, and you got 7-0. Tyler Anderson on the hill for the Dodgers going up against Dylan Cease for Chicago. Dodgers minus 125 on the road here in this spot with a total of eight and a half. The Phillies will take on the Brewers in Milwaukee. Philly looking for the sweep. They are undefeated since firing Joe Girardi. Interim coach Rob Thompson took over, and they have won six straight games. But the pitching situation is right for the Brewers. They're looking to stop a losing streak. They send the reigning Cy Young Award winner Corbin Burns to the hill to get it done against the Phillies in a getaway day spot for Philadelphia. Rockies take on the Giants. No line on this one just yet, but Logan Webb gets the start for San Francisco. I expect them to be heavily favored, and San Francisco is the way that I would lean on this one, backing Logan Webb against Austin Gomber for the Colorado Rockies. The Nationals take on the Marlins in Miami. Miami minus 135 with Trevor Rogers on the hill, but the most interesting aspect about this game, it is the season debut for Steven Strasburg, pitching for the first time in over a year since having thoracic uh, surgery to repair thoracic outlet syndrome. Uh, Dave Martinez said there's going to be no limitations on Strasburg. They're just going to see how far he goes. So I am just, this could be a stay away spot. Just very curious to see what Strasburg does in his first start in over a year. Guardians will take on the A's. It's going to be James Caprillion for the A's. Pilkington goes for the Guardians. Pirates against the Braves. JT Brubaker for Pittsburgh. Max Freed for Atlanta. The Braves are minus 270. Uh, Yankees take on the Twins. Garrett Cole against Dylan Bundy. Yankees minus 210 with Garrett Cole on the hill. I'd be looking for a Yankees bounce back spot here after losing with Nestor Cortez on the hill on uh, Wednesday. Uh, So maybe a Yankees on the run line, something like that, expecting a bounce back with Garrett Cole on the hill. Jordan Lyles will get the start for the Orioles against um, Chris Bubich for the Royals. And Bubich has been boo bad uh, this season. Um, Last start was pretty good, though. Five shutout innings against the Astros. Prior to that, a couple of stints out of the bullpen. And when uh, last time he started, I guess the Yankees gave up three runs in five innings, uh, five runs in two innings against the Mariners, five runs in just two and a third innings in his first outing against Cleveland. So I'll have to dive a little deeper into Bubich, but uh, looks like that could be a fade for um, the Kansas City Royals, uh, especially coming off of a win against the uh, Toronto Blue Jays. And then the Red Sox will take on the Angels. 
LA is a minus 130 favorite. The Angels have lost a franchise record 14 straight games. Will Shohei Otani be the reason why he avoid they avoid the 15th straight loss? Now, remember what I said back last week when Otani pitched against the Yankees. And there were thoughts. Joe Madden had come out after the game and said that he felt the Yankees picked up on something with Otani. That perhaps Otani was tipping his pitches. Now, he said that it wasn't anything that was... um, you know, illegal or whatever. We're not talking about an Astros situation here. He's just saying by natural means, they picked up on something, which is what you do in Major League Baseball. I picked up on a tell, I'm going to tell my team. And so he felt that's that was what happened. Otani gave up four runs, three home runs, on eight hits in just three innings. His last start before facing the Yankees was against the Toronto Blue Jays. He allowed five runs on six hits, two of them home runs, in six innings. That's two straight AL East teams that have roughed up Shohei Otani. I wondered last week if the Red Sox were studying tape on Otani and trying to figure out what the Blue Jays and the Yankees picked up on. Because I'll tell you what, after hearing Joe Madden say that in his post-game press conference, the first thing I would do as a hitting instructor is go tell my interns in the video room to start pulling up all the tape on Shohei Otani this season especially in that Yankee start. And I'd be sitting there watching that game film over and over, trying to see if I can pick up on what the Yankees allegedly picked up. And then I'd relay that information to my players. So, yes, Otani could be the right guy to stop this losing streak for the Angels, although I fear that possibly the Red Sox are smart enough to study what the Yankees did and what the Blue Jays did, and maybe they rough up Otani as well. Coming up this morning on Follow the Money at 8 a.m. Eastern time, our very own Michael Lombardi, host of the Lombardi Line, former NFL executive, will join the program. And Mike Palm, our very own host of Odds On here on the network, the VP of Operations here at Circa, will join the program at 9 a.m. Eastern time. That's all coming up this morning on Follow the Money. You can follow me on Twitter at Scott's On Air, S C O T T S O N A I R. I'm going to go with the Rangers to win this series rather than the Rangers to win in game five of the Eastern Conference Finals here on Thursday night because I think if they win game five, they win the series. So I'll take the plus 140 price instead of the plus 110. I'm Scott Seidenberg. This is The Look Ahead here on VSIN, the sports betting network.
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.